Welcome to the Farming Basics Podcast with Olivia Fuller. We'll have sustainable farming tips from growers across the state and extension specialists at Auburn University. Welcome back. Today we have Dr. Ed Sakura here from the plant pathology department, and he's going to talk to us about strawberry diseases. I'm also here with my co-host, Jacob Kelly. Hey, friends. Today we have Ed Sakura, who is an extension specialist professor. And tell us a little bit about what you do. Well, Olivia, nice to be here today. I'm uh, Ed Sakura. I'm an extension plant pathologist, professor in the Department of Entomology and Plant Pathology. Been here since 1992, last century for you kids out there. Um, wow. I'm a plant pathologist. I work with plant diseases, uh, fungi and bacteria, nematodes and viruses. Uh, today we're going to be talking about strawberry diseases because I work with small fruit and tree fruit like peaches and apples and blueberries and blackberries. But I also work with row crops, uh, mainly corn and soybeans, as well as uh, tree fruit, citrus sometimes, pecans, a few other different things. I work with hops and hemp, so you could ask me anything you want. Mm -hmm. You do it all. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, not very well, but I do it all. What are you doing research-wise with strawberries this year? Something we've done, we started last year, and both of you have helped me last year, and uh, also this year, but uh, strawberries are a very intensive crop. There are a number of uh, plant diseases, a lot of fungal problems, fungal diseases, and Growers are often spraying, commercial growers are spraying once a week with a fungicide or type of fungicide. And we, we found out over the last few years in the southeast that many of these pathogens are becoming resistant to some of our commonly used fungicides. So uh, last year we surveyed around 28 operations around the state looking for populations of gray mold. And, and it uh, was a good year for it, too. It was a good year for disease, mm -hmm. so it made it easy to, to find some of this stuff. Working with the University of Georgia, we were able to detect uh, a number of resistant populations of both these diseases. And we're doing it, and we're doing it again this year. I was working with Jacob earlier this year down in the Mobile Fairhope area. And he pointed out a few fields that we collected from. They had plenty of disease for you to collect, I'm sure. Strawberry growing is only getting harder, it seems like, you know, with the global economy and moving stuff around from all over the world, new diseases crop up, it seems like, every year. I know it's been seemed like that with citrus, uh, especially with canker going around and stuff like that. Have there been new diseases this year? Is it different than last year well, so far? Well, the one disease, uh, Neopestulosheopsis, mm -hmm. and I think I might have pronounced <laughs> what that he incorrectly. Said. <laughs> what he said. <laughs> Harry Potter That's a spell. disease that uh, Jacob and Dr. Cassie Connor, our diagnostician, uh, they found on a farm down in Bruton, Alabama, earlier this year, and it's a it's a new disease uh, picked up in Florida about three years ago. We've picked it. We've seen it in a few other states, but that was the first time we've seen it in Alabama, which is not a not a happy thing. Is it going to be everywhere in Alabama? Should growers start looking out for it? Yes. So we we put out some alerts uh, for growers to be looking for it. I, I was down at the same farm. Uh, they saw it on the foliage and the leaves. I saw it on the actual fruit on this farm. And uh, we had made rec the recommendation to the grower to just destroy those plants that had it because so, it spreads very easily uh, within a planting with, with uh, rain events and the cooler temperatures that we've been having. And uh, So is that the protocol right now? Destroy the crop? Uh, yeah, destroy the crop, or at least if you could... With that grower, he had four varieties, but it was only out of one variety, so... Uh, recommendation was to destroy that variety, but the grower decided to save a few plants to see what happens, which was <laughs> very unfortunate. 
but it allowed me to come down a month later and see it developing on the fruit. Right. Uh, so I, a little education for me and also an education for him because I said, you might want to follow the recommendations of Jacob and Dr. Connor. Did it end up spreading to those other varieties? Uh, they started it started spreading a little bit, but it was so dry that I think he got very, very I told him, I go, you're very lucky. And uh, he's, but by the time I left, he was going to dig those plants up and bury them. I said, burn them, bury them, throw them in your neighbor's yard, whatever. But uh, get out, get, get away from them. But it's a disease that can destroy the whole crop and it and can't survive in the soil for the next year. So if he came back with strawberries, he's going to be hammered again next year, possibly. That's right. He got really lucky. Just the way his field lies, those disease plants happen to be in the lower section of the field. So when it does rain, all that water from, you know, it's not going to flow up up the hill, most likely. So I think that's also helping him out a little bit as the grade that he happened to plan on and stuff like that. So you're going around the state, you're collecting strawberries and plant samples uh, and documenting what you find. Last year, it was crazy. We had, what, 80 plus inches of rain last year. Um, and which makes strawberry growing even harder. Um, so is the disease pressure going to be different this year as far as what you're seeing already, um, or you think we're on pace to, you know, have a copycat year from last year? It's been a, a strange disease because I know you were picking strawberries. A couple of growers were picking in December, I yeah, think, or January right. when the normal season is late February or March. Mm -hmm. So the weather patterns have been odd. Uh, growers are picking early. It was relatively dry in some of those areas, and so they were getting a nice early season picking. But now, in the last few weeks, we've seen more uh, rain events, rainstorms. Uh, right now, I mean, I wore a jacket over here for this uh, for this event, but uh, it's cooler, and I think you're going to start seeing more fruit rots like gray mold and um, anthracnose fruit rot, as well as some of the foliar diseases might start showing up. Most of these fungal and, and bacterial diseases, they really like it. Cool, cool to warm, but wet. And wet, a lot of rainfall, just like last spring, uh, could really blow things up, and it, things could change very quickly. Are those the two to be on the lookout for right now? Gray mold and anthracnose. Are those the two you're seeing yep. most yeah, common? That's right, Olivia. I think uh, gray mold is uh, just a constant. You'll, you'll see it every year. Wetter years, you see it more often, but uh, you'll see that in backyard gardens. Uh, commercial fields, or even in the sometimes you'll see it in the grocery store. So no, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I bought some yep. strawberries yesterday, and I had to wash them really well. Um, but <laughs> is that what they should be spraying for? Like, should they just know that those two things are here in the southeast, and if they plan on planting strawberries, have something ready to go for those two? Yeah, like if you go out there and you're, do you go out there and scout for these diseases and then say, all right, I've got a hundred plants that have botrytis or gray mold. Um, do I need to start spraying then or should I've already been spraying all year? You probably should have been spraying all year or at least as, we, as you start moving into the spring. Mm -hmm. So uh, you want to go with something like a protectant fungicide like Captan, which is just gives you a, a cover, like a coat of paint effect on the plants. And then you could mix in, especially with commercial growers, mix in other products of different uh, chemistries that are a little more effective versus, say, in botrytis or botrytis gray mold. I'm sorry, and anthracnose. So they they should really be on a weekly schedule for a commercial grower, and um, especially this time of year, you're in the middle of of harvest. I mean, uh, strawberries, as you said, is very intensive, but the season's also very short. So they have to pick now, and they want their fruit to be healthy as possible. What have been some fun things you've done with research this year? 
Well, <laughs> the first one was just going to see uh, Jacob's feel out there with this this new disease. I mean, to see that, to see a new, as a plant pathologist of of my tenure, can I say that? Yeah. Yeah, my tenure, sounds good. To see a new disease or emerging disease was just phenomenal. I mean, I, mean, I was out there for two and a half hours on my knees taking pictures going, oh, look at this. And the grower was looking at me going, stop doing that. Just get out of here. Yeah. Just, let me dig oh, my wow. plants up. So, so that was very exciting. So you yeah. see some new problems. Um, we got, I have some work with Edgar Vincent, Dr. Vincent over in horticulture working with uh, some new products, some organic products. Um, I think one product's made from tea. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. Because yeah. the few growers I have in West Central Alabama, they are organic. And okay. some of them use, which this is a fertilizer, but like fish emulsions and just all these weird organic alternatives. And I'm, I'm hearing some of them say it changes the taste of the fruit, but... It's it, the organic people. <laughs> they're struggling. They really are with some of the strawberry uh, operations because it is. It's a hard, it's a hard fruit is hard to do organic. Well, I, I'm from Chicago originally, and my father had a big garden in the backyard, and he grew strawberries. And he grew them well. He grew tomatoes. I think one year I was up there and I visited him. I found one leaf spot on his tomato. You know, you could, when <laughs> wow. I came to Alabama, and. Uh, you know, people are saying their tomatoes are firing up, and I'm going out there, and I'm seeing all these diseases and insect pressure in the southeast is just incredible. So when someone says they're going to grow a large, uh, say, commercial or organic operation, it's it's difficult for them. I mean, they're taking on a challenge, and I you know I respect that. But uh, say with strawberries, I was in an organic farm last year under ideal conditions for gray mold and uh, fruit anthracnose, and <laughs> this, this, I'm sorry for laughing, but it, I mean, he must have lost 75% of his fruit crop there due to yeah, these pathogens because he wasn't spraying at all, and there was no protection, and the fruit, the fruit just never had a chance under the conditions we had against the diseases that that person was dealing with. So organic production is cool, I think it's on trendy. a smaller scale, but it, it mm -hmm. could be very um, well. And berries absorb so much. I understand. They're, the farmers aren't necessarily wanting to be organic, but I think they're getting a lot of pressure at certain markets in the state to be organic because of how much berries in particular absorb from their environment. I just I feel like a lot of them would not be organic if they didn't get asked a million questions at the farmer's market on, what are you spraying these with? Well, there's definitely a market for it. I mean, yeah. you go in a grocery store. I mean, I was buying organic zucchini the other day for... <laughs> I don't know why, but it, it looked good. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for certain crops, I think it's a little bit easier. If you have some of your winter crops, your cold crops, right? You know, broccoli, you, you, there's less disease pressure that time of year, and I think you can get away with it. But you start moving in the spring with strawberry, a high value crop too, mm -hmm. or tomatoes, and you try and go organic. Unless unless you can manage that field uh, yeah. with a lot of help, it it, it can be difficult. What are some tips you could sling at our growers to help them manage disease in their field or prevent it uh, from occurring? You know, we know about rotating fungicides and using those effectively, but are there any other uh, techniques that they should be aware of and be using out there? I think uh, we have about eight to ten different diseases that attack strawberries in Alabama in any given year, and I think all of them, maybe with the exception of one, it's most likely introduced into the field on transplants or cuttings. So they always need to buy their product, their transplants from a reputable dealer 
ones that have had luck with in the past or a friend has had luck with in the past or, or it's recommended by the, a regional extension agent. So that, that's, that's the key. The two is when those plants come in, remove all the org that organic mater material around there because that uh, gray mold and some of these other pathogens can live on that, that dead organic matter. So clean, clean them up before you put them in the ground. And then depending on what disease you've had in the past, you might, as you said, uh, think about what fungicides you're going to spray for that season. Uh, work with us, this team, that uh, you two and myself and some of the other regional agents we have to uh, do a fungicide prof uh, resistance profile. Uh, we've hit 28 fields in the state, but there's more growers out there. I know Olivia, we, we tried to get out a couple times last year, but uh, for various reasons couldn't do it. But we'll do a fungicide profile to see what fungicides don't work because we had growers spraying very costly fungicides and they had no effect on anything. It was just throwing like dollar bills into the field. Right. Mm -hmm. um, Try not to overhead irrigate, which most commercial growers don't, but home gardeners do. So, because that that favors a lot of these problems, and um, and just scout and get get a lot of. Uh, I, tr I told the grower last week that uh, if you do have disease like gray mold or anthracnose, try to if you have if you have the help remove those diseased fruit from the field. Mm -hmm. And he goes, Ed, I don't have enough help to do that. He, so they're taking the fruit and throwing it in the middle of the row. Which of course right. is still a source of inoculum yeah. for the fruit, but uh, I go just pick I them hate up. Seeing that <laughs> yeah, so much. Oh, so sad. Get it out of the field for so sure. Do you still eat strawberries after all of this? Yeah, I had a nice uh, protein shake this morning with strawberries and blackberries, and uh, I when I see uh, <laughs> we had a, some blackberries in our fridge that we forgot about. And, it was covered up with, uh, there's a post-harvest disease called rhizopus, and it's grayish-white. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone's had it. Mm -hmm. If you leave them on your counter, I'd call it old, old man's, or gray, old man's gray beard, more or less. And uh, I, I see that, I just get all excited. I'm taking pictures and it on Twitter <laughs> and stuff. And Facebook, look at that, isn't that cool? You know, people look at me like I'm, I'm, I'm not right. But uh, Yeah, uh, shout out to your Twitter account. I follow you on there. It's the one one page I do follow. It's the best one in the it's world. It's really good. What's, what's <laughs> tell, the, yeah, tell everybody what it is. Uh, at Alabama, lowercase, Ed, E-D. So Alabama, Ed. And, and you uh, post daily, I think, right? Well, I got butterflies from this weekend. I yeah. got azaleas. But we have a lot of strawberry diseases throughout the season. And mm -hmm. then I try and I use that platform to educate growers or or what disease it is, what you could, what it looks like, and what you could do about it in 72 characters. But uh, <laughs> I think I think it can be useful to to growers, home gardeners, and and I usually I try and make it fun too. So, do you have a particular farmer that you like to buy your strawberries from, like because they, of their management style, like when you're when you're being a picky consumer, does it? I am not a picky okay. picky person, <laughs> Olivia. I you know I just go to. You know, personally, people at farms that you've had luck with in the past. Uh, down in the southeast, I go. I've gone to Appland Farms. Mm -hmm. uh, good, good fellow. Good, good practices. Uh, in uh, Jacobs areas, I was down at uh, Burris's, talking to Mister Burris. I've known oh, him for like a yeah. hundred years. He's amazing. Can you give some insight on what he's doing to keep his strawberries so perfect? He just manages them well. He he, he cleans them up. Sanitation. Yeah. Uh, he knows his source. He's, he's on a tight spray program that that follows uh, religiously. He knows his resistance profile. He rotates fungicides. Um, he just does a nice job. He's had 30 years of experience. Now, there's another farmer down there that, uh, in fact, the two I met the same day with Burris, and they're first-year farmers. 
and they were having some problems, and uh, they didn't have enough help. So they, you know, they had the fruit in the field, and um, so we were Jacob and I were trying to help them uh, just get through the season. And I one word of warning is. Um, if you are going into strawberries or you want to go in a U-pick strawberry operation, it, it can be lucrative, it can be challenging, but start off small. Go over to half acre, an acre, and just see if you can make it through that first year and get the bugs out of your system. And if you do well the second year, don't do 30 acres. Do, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, think about expanding, but think what you could manage. Uh, we had a guy named, I won't say his name, but it was down in uh, <laughs> South Alabama that I, I went, the year I went to visit him, he had 30 acres of strawberries and they were just covered up with disease. And I said, what'd you grow last year? He goes, oh, we had two acres. <laughs> oh, and we made no. so much money, we just make 30 acres, we'll make a lot more money. And and he was out of business the following year because he just, yeah. there was this, it was a, like a disease. Just opened up a gossip column for It was for a heaven podcast. for disease, basically. Yeah. It was a, <laughs> For pathologists, is my best day ever. <laughs> Do you recommend, like, so if I'm a new strawberry grower and, you know, if somebody calls me and they want to grow strawberries, I've got a list of transplants uh, suppliers and I say, here's this list. You know, these are the ones that I'm familiar with. These others I'm not familiar with. Whatever. They're buying for the first time. Should they uh, dip those transplants in a fungicide before they put them in the field? Does that have any efficacy? Good question. They, uh, fruit anthracnose was a problem two years ago. And I'm working with Edgar Vincent and Cassie Connor, Dr. Connor, we put together. You could do, uh, let me step back. They are... Uh, dips you could use for transplanting it. So that's a good point. Uh, products like Switch is a fungicide plus a couple others where the transplants come in and you just dip the transplant in a solution of this material for about two minutes, take it out, put her in the ground. And that's a, a coating that gives you a, gives those plants a head start against maybe any any pathogens that might come in on those plants. Right. So yeah, um, and we started talking about it that two years ago after it was a bad year for fruit anthracnose. So that, that's definitely a a, a very good option. I'm glad you brought okay. that up. Who made you so smart, man? <laughs> you know, reading. I read, you know, once a year, I'll pick up a book. Once a year? Yeah, good. try something new. They say reading's good for you. Reading? Pick it up. And I, you know, this year it was strawberries. All right. <laughs> they caught me early. What about management of row covers? Some people uh, will leave them on for long extended periods of time, like it's going to be cold in December and January. Do I want to leave my row cover on for 30 days? Or every time it's not freezing, should I just remove that row cover? It takes a lot of labor, but... I'm not a, I'm not a big row cover. I, 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 I don't know that much about row covers. We've used it for uh, as a cultural practice to prevent insect transmitted viruses to pumpkins and watermelons and number and tomatoes for that matter. Mm -hmm. I know the, the strawberry growers using it down in South Alabama for frost protection use it, but uh, one grower I talked to this year said he, he might have left it on too long, which increased a relative humidity and the moisture inside that canopy and he thought that led to some of his disease problems. So it's a it's a it's a great practice if used properly. So b before you buy it and before you do it, you better read that book you were reading yeah, <laughs> this yeah. last year and figure out how to use it correctly. But uh, yeah, yeah, you don't want to leave them on there too long, especially when the temperature gets high, because it's just a breeding ground for all kinds of insects and all these diseases. Yep. And, and gets... even the black plastic, I've seen a lot of growers have that down, and their leaves are just crispy 
and their Crispy strawberries are <laughs> they're yeah, just yep. fried because it gets so hot, even yeah. though it's still kind of cool outside. Oh, good point. Yeah, good point. I mean, you know, like down in my area, it gets, you know, we're wearing shorts on Christmas Day a lot of times. So it'll get it up to 80 degrees, and if you got a row cover on there, it's going to be warmer under that row cover. And so I imagine that it uh, does all kinds of bad things. Plus, you're starting out with, you're starting your spring out with plants that already have disease and insect problems. And so you're, you know, you're being reactive at this point instead of yeah. proactively. Getting you know, behind the wagon in a way. When you, once, you, once you're trying to catch up, it's... Playing catch up's no fun. No fun. I like to be in the lead. Yeah. Yeah. Being, being proactive, uh, using a, uh, a, good, a good source of, uh, of plants, good source of transplants, dipping them if you had fungal problems in the past. Using these cultural practices like like plastic mulches and row covers properly. Uh, know your fungicide program ahead of time and get ahead of the game before these diseases show up. And if, if you know you're going into a situation where you have a week of wet weather and overcast skies, you know think about spraying before you, beforehand because you might not be able to get in the field the following week. And then it's then it's by the time you get in there, it's lights out. And might as well just go back to the house. That's right. Or follow you on Twitter. Do you give weather <laughs> re- updates and reports on? Go out and cover your strawberries. If you would follow me, Olivia, I would do that. I do. I made a Twitter just for you. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> Go look at your followers. There's oh, a, my, there's, my heart. My heart just, there's a person without a profile picture and without any post that's <laughs> watching your every move on people there. People have asked me to take my profile picture down. Is that good, huh? <laughs> I'm not a good-looking man. I'm much better at podcasts and radio than I am in person. <laughs> Got that radio face. I got a radio <laughs> face made for radio. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I think we covered a lot of the things about strawberries, unless there's something else you want to throw our growers. Yeah, I feel like I know more already. I'm ready to grow strawberries. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> grow <them> organically. <laughs> yeah. No, I think we covered everything. I, you, you guys brought up a couple of good topics there in organics and the, and the dip and so forth and the roll cover. So I appreciate appreciate the time and effort you guys do to do the show. You do a great job. And thanks for having me. It's I love to talk to people. This is a, what <laughs> Especially a great, when they can't talk back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. Well, this is a nice album. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. This has been a production of Alabama Extension at Auburn University. 